talk, it's called squatters. Squatters. And I'm not talking about guys in the gym or people that visit, you know, the throne. I'm talking about <laughs> squat, a different type of squatter, okay? So, um, and, and the, the motto is that a foothold can become a stronghold. And I'm going to unpack what that means. But Ephesians 4.27 says that, it says, keep your foot from evil. Keep your foot from evil. And the reason for that is if we allow the, the enemy, which we believe is he's a real, he's a real deal, he's a real dude, uh, if we allow him to get kind of a foot in our life, he'll try to pry his way in and get a lot more real estate in our life. And eventually that foothold, if not attended to, not pushed out, not, e- not evicted from our lives, can create a stronghold, a beachhead, a place you know, of um, residence where it kind of takes over really and ultimately the temple of the Holy Spirit, a control. We can be under the influence or mastery of something. And so before I get into the series, uh, the, the message itself, I want you to know this is a pastoral series, which means my responsibility is to try to prepare you uh, for the, the journey ahead spiritually. And a lot of times we wrestle with what we're going to talk about, how we're going to talk about it. And, and, and this is one of those subjects that I wrestled with, you know, how am I going to talk about this and if I should talk about this. But when I look at Christianity through an objective pair of glasses and I put them on like and see through God's eyes, I think he sees the church potential. He sees what it can be, but it's sick. And that's why God, you know, in, in, in his word, he sends he sends the doctor, Jesus, to the world to heal the sick. But some of that healing is, is not just for people who don't know Christ. It's also for people once they know Christ. So what I've experienced is that a lot of people in Christianity, believers, they have a certainty about their, their eternal destination, but they don't have the same confidence and certainty about their in-this-life destination. In other words, I'm okay with when I die, I'm going to be with God because of faith in Christ through grace I've been saved. I know that. I have that certainty. I have that assurance. But in this life, there's a purpose and plan for my life, and God wants to take me somewhere and do something in and through me. But there's all kinds of impediments and roadblocks and impairments to my ability to to drive down that that road and get to where God wants me to go. And sometimes this looks like it looks like we're driving under the influence as as Christians. Like we're in our, our our judgment. Our experiences, our relationships, our health, our emotional state is impaired by external influences. Just like somebody who is um, under the influence of alcohol or, or, or drugs can be under the influence of something. Is everybody tracking with me? And so we don't, we don't live that victorious life, that, that free life that God calls us in his word to live. In John 8.36 it says, whom the son makes free is free indeed. And so... For us to be free, we have to first believe it's possible for us as believers to actually not be free. Like being bondage is the word. It's, the, it's kind of the Christian and biblical term is in bondage. And so I think in order to be able to make an impact on the world out there in 2015, we got to get free in here. Are you all tracking with me out there? All right, turn to your neighbor and say, this is going to be good. All right, so today, turn to your second choice, say, you too. Okay, there's always a second choice. Uh, so squatters, let me try to unpack this little by little. Again, foothold can become a stronghold, hopefully make sense to you as we go forward. But previous to today, we've been in this series. We've been talking about these influences. And, and, and sometimes they're relational influences, sometimes they're circumstantial influences. But primarily, we've been talking about spiritual influences. In other words, a lot of the problems that we have and they're facing today have a spiritual root to them. 
And so we're trying to, you know, uh, not repeat what our New Year's resolutions were last year and the year before and the year before and the year before, right? And so, but our default is always to set goals in this particular lane, you know, relational, financial, physical, but we rarely set goals in the spiritual, but yet a lot of the problems we're, that, we're, that are manifesting in our life, that are surfacing, that are, that are coming out above ground, a lot of those have to do with spiritual roots that are going on inside us. And a lot of those things are addressed on a spiritual level. In other words, the Bible says we don't wage war as the world does. We don't fight you know, flesh to flesh. We don't bolt physically with our enemy. These things are physical. In fact, it even tells us to put on the full armor of God. And it talks about what that armor is. And when we put on that armor, we're able to fight or address the schemes. One, one translation says the wiles, which in the Greek means the methods of the devil who tried to oppose us. And so we're here in this series trying to expose those different methods. But we have to realize there's an enemy, Satan, and then he has a fallen that follow him, fallen angels, disembodied spirits. Here we go, demons. Everybody go, <laughs> okay? Now, my, my assertion is that, that, that the church is afraid to talk about this and go there. And, and let me, I have this phrase, in order to grow here, sometimes we have to go there. Turn your neighbor and say, that was good. So in order to grow here, sometimes we have to go there. And so the world is going there, and it's talking about paranormal, and it's talking about demonic and hell raisers, and it's talking about, you know, all these movies where people, people are possessed of the devil. Sound like somebody was just then. Uh, <laughs> I was like, is it, are we having a, having a thing right here that I'm going to have to address? You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> thank you for that. You helped me. Um, but, but... Media has no problem overexposing, but let me submit to you, undereducating us on the subject of the paranormal, on the subject of specifically demonic spirits and demonic influences in our life. And so I just, I'm just saying, I'm not going to be that guy that just plays it safe in here. And I, I just, I'm just of this uh, uh, assertion that people want to know about this stuff. And that's why we keep going and watching those crazy movies and reading those same things. When I was a kid, I was all into that stuff. I couldn't wait. I wanted to learn more about it. I was scared to death at the same time. I want to arm you with, with an arsenal of weapons that show you how to overcome your enemy and close the open doors on the enemy so you can live a victorious life in Jesus. Amen? So that's kind of what this is about. So we talked about demons are real. We talked about that they enter people, not possessed like own, but they attempt to master, control, or put you under the influence of them. Uh, we, talked, we talked about the fact that Jesus has authority over them and Jesus casted them out. The whole Bible has large portions of scripture that you cannot say, I believe in the Bible, and then just, I don't believe in demons. I don't believe that's real. I don't believe that's for today. I'm telling you, this stuff still happens today. It still happens today. And then we talked about in week two how the characteristics of these demonic influences, like, and how they're like wolves, and the parallel in the scripture to wolves and, and the Chaldeans. If you did not receive this information, please, 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 if you consider this your home church, whether formally or informally, go on our website and watch the first three messages. You need this foundation to be healthy. I'm just telling you, I can't do it all this morning. And, and then last week we talked about the number one open door to the enemy in our life, because that's what, that's what it's like. You're a temple. You're a house, and a house has windows, and a house has doors, and has openings, and so you do too, and we have to learn how to, to be powerful, just like in a computer. We have to learn how to minimize and close certain windows so we can be optimized in our life. Same thing spiritually. There, sometimes there's doors open, and the enemy's getting in there. Does he own it because a thief is in your house? No, but is he in your house? 
Yes. Just because you drink alcohol, for example, it's interesting that we, we, we see when we go to, a, we go to a, a liquor store, it says wine and spirits. <laughs> How clever. <laughs> and, and we buy it. Can you give me some wine and shoot me up with some of them spirits too? You know what I mean? A couple extra on the side would be great. You know, and we don't think about that. Now, listen, I'm not against drinking. The Bible doesn't say drinking is wrong. It says being drunk is wrong. Okay. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. But then it contrasts. It says be filled with the spirit. That's not referring to spirits, demonic spirits. It's referring to the Holy Spirit. So the only person, the only person that should have total mastery, control, influence in our life is the Holy Spirit, not spirits. So the Bible's telling us about the Holy Spirit. You can be sure they're spirits. And if we, if we allow, to, if we go from moderation to excess, we can open ourselves up through alcohol, we can open ourselves up through drugs, but we can open ourselves up to other things that we're excessive about as well, which I'll talk about today, that create opportunities for the enemy to get a foot inside your life and eventually create not a foothold, but a stronghold in your life. Is that, is that something everybody's resonating with? And so we talked a lot about the open doors, uh, in particular last week, regarding pride. But I titled this message Squatters for a reason, because as you may recall, last week, I shared with you the importance of a scripture from Matthew chapter 12, where it was talking about, Jesus himself was talking about demons and how they go into a house, spiritually, and they find it sometimes tidy and clean. But then it said this word, empty. Empty. Empty is not good. We need to be filled, full of what? Of God, godly influences, godly vision, the Holy Spirit himself. We need to know his purpose and plan for our life. We need to be around the right people where we're not living on the fray. Come on, somebody. We're living in the fold, right? We need to get in the middle of what God's doing. We need to be under the protection of God and godly people. We need to stay filled because if we're empty, then what the scripture said, Jesus said, I didn't say it. I'm just telling you what he said. He said, the enemy may go out for a little while. You might have evicted him or he might have left for a little while. But if he comes back and he sees that house, that, that temple, that person empty, not only will he come back, but he's going to bring seven of his strongest, closest friends in there to take residence and attempt to control and master and move from a squatter who's out on the perimeter. See, squatters, I didn't know a lot about squatters when I first started studying this whole idea. I just got this picture of squatters are like demons, synonymous with. You know that little symbol, synonymous? Anyway, that, that's what was going through my brain. Squatter, demon, okay? Synonymous with demon. Squatters, initially, we don't take much, you know, we don't take them seriously. They're kind of on the perimeter of your property, they're way in the back corner. You're like, ah, they're not really doing any damage. We got all this. The pool's still open. You know, the garage is still clean, and the cars are still in the driveway. Kids can play in the front yard. It's no big deal. And before you know it, those squatters move from the perimeter of your house and property. Before they, they find a shed. Oh, it's seasonal. We're not there all the time. It's not a big, hey, it's not a big deal. <laughs> that could have been a big deal. <laughs> Bounce back from that, Pastor. Um, and they get in your shed and they take that over. Not a big deal. But then you don't take it seriously. You don't deal with it. You don't evict these squatters. Before you know it, you go away on vacation. They're in your garage. And, 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 and now, you know, you're just like, I don't know how to deal with them. I don't want to confront this. It could be difficult. I mean, gosh, they have a family. There's like seven of them in there. What do I say? And then they ask to use the bathroom. Now they're in your house. They're in your basement. Oh, it's messy. We just leave them downstairs and just close it off. It won't be a big deal. You get the point. They progress. They progress. They progress until they actually take over. Your home, that's what squatters are like. And Jesus is saying, hey, listen, you need to keep your house, 
You need to keep your house not empty, but full. Otherwise, there can be a problem. Let me give you squatter definition, okay? And then rights. This is not in your notes. This is bonus, okay? But a, a squatter's definition, a person who settles on land or occupies property without title, right, payment, or rent. That's no big deal, Pastor. Okay, really cool, whatever. But let me give you squatter's rights. Do you know that squatters in this world today have rights? I was looking online and YouTube videos. I couldn't believe with somebody who didn't own, with somebody who didn't pay rent, somebody who didn't have title to, suddenly could have possession of, over time, somebody's home, possessions, land, or whatever. Squatters have rights. Listen to this. This is true. A squat, and, and look at the parallel. Demon. A squatter's right is a legal allowance to use the property of another in the absence and attempt by owner to force eviction. This right may eventually be converted to title to property over time by a term called adverse possession. Possession. I couldn't even believe when I heard the word possession there because we talked about this in the first couple of weeks, what possession was. Possession is not ownership initially, but it's mastery influence of. It's, that's what he's trying to do. A fallen spirit, the enemy, tries to do his work through his fallen followers to get into our life, control, master, and take over our home. And if anything, they believe at some point, and a lot of times this happens with demonic influences in our life, you try to get them out, but they have a right to be there. They have certain rights because we haven't evicted them or because we haven't exercised our rights or because we haven't possessed our own soul, they've taken residence in places of absence. It goes on to say that the legal name for squatter's rights is adverse possession. It says this also, it says, if property was abandoned and someone else squatted on it for a number of years, the squatter could gain control over the land. Interesting that you use the word gain control. In other words, you could take, it, it had influence over that part. Then he goes on to say, you know, these squatters need to be there for a certain amount of time before they can actually have possession, adverse possession of that. And that's really what the enemy's trying to do. He's trying to just get a foothold in you and then another foothold. He's trying to get in your property. Then he's trying to get in your shed. Then he's trying to get in your basement. Then he's trying to get in your kitchen. Then he's trying to get in your bedroom. He's trying to destroy, to take over your entire life and listen, if, if, if this is another thing that they have, it's called tacking. Squatters can go away for a little while, but they can still maintain possession because they can call in some of their family into that home, and that still qualifies as residence, and they can still have possession. So if the original squatter came in and left for just a little bit, they can have one of their family come in there called tackers, and eventually... Oh, we could call them attackers, and eventually that family can still have the rights and possession to that home. These are legal things that are happening in the world today, but I'm saying to you, these are spiritual things that are happening as well. And the short and skinny, again, is that I believe there are spiritual roots to a lot of our problems. And I don't believe there's a demon on every rock, so I don't want you to get all freaked out that I'm just like, you know, everything's about the devil and everything's about demons. I believe in discipleship. I believe that you can't cast out, you know, uh, the flesh. You have to disciple it. But you cast out the devil. That some things are addressed on a spiritual level, and there are demonic forces that oppose us. And this may be over your head or maybe new to you, but I, I, I pray that it penetrates your heart in such a way that you would be open to it. And I hope some of the uh, examples, biblically and otherwise, make sense to you as we go forward because it's real whether you believe it or not. And as we address or fight these problems spiritually, I believe that when you address something spiritually, you'll see the manifestation of it maybe physically, relationally, or otherwise. And just because we're uncomfortable with it doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong. Can I have an amen? 
<laughs> okay, so let me give you three areas or signs or doors, let's just say, three openings where sometimes the enemy can get into our life. These are like indicators that the enemy is maybe at work, that a believer can, in fact, be in bondage in some way. I believe personally, including myself, that everybody in here is in some level of bondage. Just a year. So we're all on the hook, all right, at some level. I don't, we're always being delivered. We're in the process of sanctification. We're being made more like Jesus. We are being perfected. Uh, ultimately, we'll come to that place. But in this life, I believe our vision is to see people saved, delivered, redeemed, fulfilled. So when we come to Christ, they want to see them delivered. This process of deliverance, this second step in our, in, our, in our structure, in our vision, happens primarily through relationships in the context and safety of something small, in small groups. That's why we, 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 we push, you know, uh, promote, tout, spout, spit, spew, small groups all the time. Because it's so important that you get in relationships because you've got to work stuff out. It's the lab of life where you work some of these things out. It's where you get discernment and wisdom and you get accountability and creativity on how to address formally and informally some of these issues. Um, but, but I think everybody is working this stuff out. And so we've established that, that, that people are in, believers can be in bondage. Amen? But, but what I want you to see as we go forward is that, that the, there's situations and there's circumstances and there's, this, there's stuff that's happening in your life and it's going on and on and on every single year, every single week, every single month. And you're like, ah, oh, I, keep, I keep hitting these things over and over again. We call those sometimes patterns or chronicity, you know, um, uh, it, it's, it's sometimes persistent patterns. And, and that's why... That's why I do life in ministry, because I want to help people find those things. And what, what I do in my own life, what I do with my family, what I do with the church is, I look at my life and say, you know, when something's going wrong and it keeps happening over and over again, what is the open door? What, how have I allowed somehow the enemy, the Satan, or the work of Satan into my life to attack me, to get a foothold in my life? Because if he doesn't have a foothold in my life, then I'm free. I'm healthy. I'm working, I'm, working to, I'm working on all eight cylinders, as it were. But, but I think we have to ask these questions. Why isn't life going the way it's supposed to? What, how did the enemy get into my life? Why aren't, why aren't I free? Why aren't they free? Uh, not too long ago, my daughter, my oldest daughter, was struggling with a physical problem. And, and that's what I did. I just... I just, I didn't, sure there was doctor's things that we were considering and, and there was, you know, supplemental things that we were considering. But at some point when it just kept happening, are, are you tracking with me? I was like, God, what is it? Show me where's the opening? Where's that coming in? And, and my wife and I discussed certain things and prayed about certain things and we saw some stressors and some, some things that she was saying with her mouth that were, were opening the door to the enemy to come into her life. And we just started addressing these things on a spiritual level. And praise God, she's healthy and doing great now. But it was addressed on a spiritual level, but it manifested in a physical realm. Does that make sense? And a lot of times you have things that are going on in your life and you've tried everything. You've gone to doctors and you've gone to specialists and you've gone to wise people and business people and, and, and all kinds of things. And you keep on seeing these same things happen over and over again. I'm telling you, it's because of one of the three doors that I'll start talking to you about today. Not all of them today, but definitely one of them today. And, and so I'm trying to teach you something that will help guide you, you know, when these kind of things happen. Because there's a tendency to minimize and marginalize what God is trying to say to us through these things. Because he's speaking to us all the time. Just like radio waves are going through the air all the time. We got to tune in. But the Holy Spirit's trying to get your attention, whisper to you, uh, sometimes uh, steer you, 
convict you. One of his responsibilities as the Holy Spirit is to convict you, not condemn you, but convict you. It only becomes condemnation when we don't do what he says, but he wants to convict you. But we can turn down the Holy Spirit, just like you can turn down the radio and you can you know, put your earphones on and block everybody out. We can do that with the Holy Spirit. So what does he do? He sends people into your life. And he puts your wife right in front of your face. And you just, you know, with a pointy finger. You know what I mean? And sticks your finger in your eye and says some things that you need to see and says some things you need to know. But sometimes, as strong, as, as, as influential as they be and as much weight as they have in their voice, sometimes we don't listen to those people. So then God will step back, as we talked about last week. And, 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 and sometimes he'll even, allow, he'll even allow you to fall into bondage. Why? So that you'll cry out to him. And he can, he can rescue you. And sometimes we have to go through certain things. And it's dangerous. It's kind of scary. But he does it because he loves us. Sometimes he'll knock us off a bike to keep us from losing our life in front of a car. He'll go out of his way to do that. But if we don't see what he's doing, we can get frustrated at God. And we can go to someone or something else to try to find answers and solutions. And that's what you see in the world today. They're, having, they're being pummeled. And that's what you see even in Christians today. They're being pummeled by life, these chronic things over and over and over again. And then we go to a relationship that's not healthy to try to find that need being met. We go to maybe a substance, maybe even go to a spiritist, a reader, an occult solution as we'll talk about next week. We try to find answers because God's like, no, he is answering, but there are certain doors you're not paying attention to that are open in your life that are keeping you from freedom in Christ. So when something's going wrong, I don't assume it's on God's end. It, it, I, this is a conviction that I think you as a Christ follower need to come to in your life. A crossroads that will save you a lot of problems and a lot of negative predictions is if you get to the place where if something's going wrong in my life, it must be on my end. Because I believe this with all my heart. God is a good God. Can I have an amen from anybody? Amen. He's a good God. He wants me whole. He wants me free. He wants me fulfilled. And, and all his word says that. And there's over 6,000 promises that are, that are like, and love letters from scripture that are to me. And if I'm not experiencing that, then there must be some opening in my life where the enemy's gone in and he's distorting reality and he's lying to me. But he's the father of lies. It's his job description to lie to you. And to distort the truth. Every bondage is built on a lie. Is built on a lie. My daughter was sick because she bought a lie. Not because she needed a drug or surgery or a supplement. <laughs> I don't know what they're thinking, Lord, but it's still good. I hear people say things like, Pastor, I, I just can't seem to hold a job. I just can't seem to hold a job. Everywhere I go, I go from one job to the next. I have the interview, get the job, go for a little while, think I got it, think I got it going on. I get fired or something happens, something goes wrong. Listen, so then I, I must need more education. I must need to work harder. I must need to dress to impress. I must need to do something external. Dude, maybe it's a spiritual problem. Maybe because of something that happened in your past and you got hurt, that you allowed, a, you, you opened a door because of unforgiveness or bitterness or whatever, you allowed a door to come in and a spirit of rebellion came into you and now you have an issue with authority and that manifests in all your relationships when you have an authority figure and you can't hold a job, not because of all this stuff, but because of something that's going on right here. Is anybody tracking with what I'm saying? It's a spiritual problem. It's a spiritual problem. The good news is because it's spiritual, it can be addressed just like that once you have the revelation. of That's why the Bible says the truth that you now know, epinosis, not insight, intellect, but revelation, knowledge, like a woman knows she's pregnant. Once you realize, oh, that's what it is, what do I do? Repent, renounce, rebuke, boom, problem over. Go get a job and do well. Amen. Just like that. 
You mean just like that? Because it's a spiritual problem. But you have to address it that way. Is anybody getting something out of this? So let me give you the, th I'll give you one of the doors today. We're going to get into two more next week because of time. Let me give you the first indicator of, of an open door in your life that comes into your life. Continued iniquity. Continued iniquity. Next week, I'm going to talk about continued illness and continued influence. Illness and influence. Why am I continually sick? Why do I, what, what have I opened up, you know, influences in my life that are affecting me, toxic influences in my life that are affecting me? We'll talk about everything from relationships to occult stuff, okay? Continued iniquity, though. Let me tell you what continued iniquity is. Sin and iniquity are different. And you Christians, you need to hear this because Christians don't get this right. We, you know, the Bible says we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive our sin and forgive us from all unrighteousness. Amen. First John 1, 9. Praise the Lord. Everybody got that one? We make, we make a mistake. We know we need to say we're sorry and ask for God's forgiveness. And we do that like the cows come home. And we just do it all the time. Like sun up, sun go, goes down. We got that part down. So when you need forgiveness, you go to God. But when you need to be healed, transformed, changed, free from bondage, we, we need to go to somebody else. James 5, 16 says, confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. This is what Christians have a hard time doing. So I, if you want to be forgiven, go to God. You want to be changed, free, healed, you got to go to somebody else. You got to go to somebody else. But iniquity is ongoing sin. Ongoing sin. Chronic sin. Patterns of sin. Sin is singular, but iniquity is continuous. In John 8, 31 through 36, this is one of the best scriptures to describe believers being in bondage. But it basically, Jesus is talking to uh, uh, to the Jews who believed in him, it says. It says, if you abide in my word, you're my disciples. And then verse 32, a very famous text says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. But here's the amazing part that we often miss is verse 33. It says, they answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage. Keep, keep up with this. To anyone, how can you say, Jesus, you'll be made free? So Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin Remember that word commits is a slave to sin. This word commits is talking about ongoing, continuous, predetermined, chronic sin. That's what this word commits. Remember I told you that it's English. It always has Greek as the original language. And sometimes that original, original language shows us way more about what a word's about. Listen, the devil himself will try to keep you from listening to what I'm saying. And the people that have a hard time listening are usually the people who struggle in the area that I'm talking about right now. This is experience as a pastor talking to you right now. Okay, so listen, listen, listen. Continuous iniquity is talking about this pattern of committed sin. To understand commits, you have to understand committed Committed. It's ongoing. It's chronic. But the, these, these believers are saying, we've never been in bondage. We're not in bondage. What? Have you read the Old Testament, you guys? The Old Testament, the Jews were in bondage their whole experience. They were in, they were in bondage to the Babylonians, the Chaldeans, you know, the, the, the Egyptians, the Syrians. And at the moment they're saying this, they were in bondage to the Romans. This is actually one of the funniest scriptures in the Bible because they're so blind. Self-deception is the worst deception of all. And so sometimes we don't get free because we're deceived. We think, I'm good. And this is what Christians do. Not to, it's not only that they just do that, but Christians, we do that too. We act like we're free. We act like we're good. But sometimes we're not. We're not good. We are Christians. We can't be in bondage. We say things like, it's just a weakness. It's just a weakness. Just a weakness? I think about that for myself. There's certain things I think about. I've been doing this for 10 years. That's a weakness? 
No. According to scripture, and I'm just telling you, it's, it's, it's not a weakness. It's a bondage. And a bondage is dressed at a spiritual level. But the first door that we have to address is this continued pattern of sin and iniquity. And so we must all go through this process little by little. What are, what are some of the examples of bondages that we could be in? Well, we talked about last week's pride. We could talk about fear. We could talk about anger. We could talk about lust. We could talk about unforgiveness, bitterness. We could talk about gluttony. Ah, I hate that one. You know? Religious behavior. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's for sure. But you know what else is the same yesterday, today, and forever? Pharisees. That's funnier than you realize. But, but we might all as well, we, we might as well admit we all have bondage in some area of our life and stop hiding. Truth is, sometimes we're hiding things and people can see them anyway. And sometimes assumptions worse than reality, so we might as well just kind of get it out on the table and just be real. I, I want a church that's the perfect church for imperfect people. That's what I want. I want a church where like, you know what? I'm not where I, I want to be, but I'm not where I used to be. And I'm a, this is what I'm working on. This is what I'm addressing right now. This is what I'm getting accountability in. This is what I'm being discipled in. This is what I'm studying the word so it can renew my mind. This is what I'm getting prayer for on a regular basis so I can overcome in this area. This is how I'm letting wise counsel into my life so I can see what I can't see because we all have blind spots and I need somebody to point things out in my life. I'm, I'm being real. I'm working on stuff. That's what we need to be like as Christ followers. Amen? John 8, 34, it says, Jesus answered them, Most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. So that continuous iniquity gets us in bondage. One of the reasons we're in bondage and we're not free is because of continuous iniquity. Whoever commits sin, again, is in bondage. We choose to walk, in other words, in slave ship, or we could walk in sonship. And that word means to commit, means to formulate a plan. Have you ever formulated a plan to sin? Don't answer this out loud, but I submit to you, we all have. I have. Have you ever hidden something from your boss, from your friend, from your spouse? I'm ashamed to admit it. I have. Wow, he's the pastor. Yep, I am. Have you ever done that? That's not weaknesses, those things. Those are, those are, those are iniquities. And, you know, and if we don't admit we have a bondage to something, we're going to have problems. And we can't keep calling away. There's a, there's, a, there's a person in this room, I won't mention his name, but he leads the worship ministry. And when, and when, uh, when he talks about food, it's like talking about a beautiful woman. Like, like, you know, it's like, it's so descriptive, the language he uses. And, and when I get around him, the same bondage in me gets a, it's quickened, not by the Holy Spirit, but by the evil spirit. And we're just like salivating and, and romancing, you know, the meal we're going to partake of later and the sushi that we're going to conquer and, and how much of it we're going to consume. And, and, and these gluttonous spirits, you know, just kind of take us over. Gluttony can be a spiritual problem. It's not just a weakness. Are you following me out there? So, so Romans 6.16 says, do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves, representing bondage here, to obey, you are that one slave to whom you obey. So I want to be free. Well, we have to stop the sin because if we keep sinning in that area, we're a slave to that. We're a slave to that. So you can be a slave to obedience or to sin. It's your choice. Serve sin or we can serve obedience. This is a really tough scripture from the Old Testament, but I'm going to read it to you anyway. It's Jeremiah chapter 7. It's in your notes. Look at this. This is... This is Old Testament symbolism, meaning the things you see in the Old Testament there, you can apply in a New Testament context. We're in a, as a church post-Jesus, we're in a New Testament context, okay? So you understand sometimes things better in the Old Testament through the lens of the New, okay? So I'll try to do that when I read this first. So Jeremiah 7, 8 says, Behold, talking to, to church people, 
You trust in lying words that cannot profit. Will you steal? Murder? Basically back then, like stealing and murder, were, that, that was what you were, that, that was bad. It was a really bad sin. In the New Testament, if you even, if you hate your brother, it's like murder. The New Testament, you have a higher standard. If you commit adultery, basically that's the physical act. But in the New Testament, if you kind of look lustfully upon a woman, that's, that's like adultery. Swear falsely, burn incense to Baal, walk after other gods whom you do not know. Listen, he says, you do all that stuff, all that sinful behavior, and then come and stand before me, God, in the house, which is called by my name, church, and say, we are delivered to all these abominations, to do all these, we're delivered to do all these abominations. We're free, we're free to do what we want. We're free to do all these abominations. Has this house, God is speaking, which is called by my name, become a den of thieves in your eyes? Behold, I, even I, have seen it, says the Lord. So there's tons of symbolism that's going on in this particular verse, uh, but basically saying people come to church who have been the night before, Saturday night, you know, just kind of cutting up, you know, doing all kinds of crazy behaviors. You name it. You, 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 you know what it is. And then we come to church and say, I'm free. Kumbaya. I love you, Jesus. <laughs> Woo. So we're dancing in one environment Saturday night, and we're dancing in another environment on Sunday morning, and we're saying, I'm free to be able to do those things. I just confess my sins. He forgives me. We're good, and I move on. But you don't move on. You may be okay here, but you're not okay here. You're not okay from getting to where God has you to where you want to be because you're in continued iniquity. Woo! That was a rhyme. Did you see that? <laughs> and so, so he's saying the house of God's become like a den of thieves. The enemies got into their lives, and now they're bringing the enemy into the house of God. You come before me, and you come to the church of God, and there's... There's a bunch of thieves in the room. You know what Jesus did to thieves in the book of Matthew chapter 21 when they were gambling and doing all kinds of stuff? He threw them out. This is going to be a house of prayer. It's not going to be money changers and all that kind of stuff and self-ambition and personal gain and all that kind of stuff going on in my house. He did that physically, but he also did that spiritually. Anytime somebody had thieves in their house, he cast them out. He cast them out. Are you guys getting something out of this? I'm preaching up here. I don't know if you're really getting this. But Jesus wants to get thieves and robbers out of your life. And let me tell you something about thieves and robbers. This is going to be even stronger. And so, whatever, swallow this pill. Are you ready for this? So, this is the difference between a thief and a robber. A thief comes into your house when you're not home. But robbers come into your house when you're home. That's the difference between a thief and a robber. And so, sometimes when you think of the church, thieves are coming in the house, yeah, but robbers are coming to church too. What are you talking about, Pastor? Well, this is strong. This is another open door that I'm not going to preach on because I don't think you can handle it right now, maybe later. But Malachi 3 says, you've robbed me, church, of tithes and offerings. I'm just telling you that people are coming to church and they're robbing God of something that belongs to him. In other words, I'm here, I'm in the house, and they're robbing me of what's mine. I'm just telling you as your pastor, if you think I'm trying to get something from you, deal with it. Go someplace else. Go to another church where people don't tell you the truth. I am not trying to get something from you. But I'm telling you, it's an open door if you are taking from God what belongs to him. Just telling you that. That's an example of an open door. So whenever I'm looking at things in my life where I'm under attack, what, this is what I can say. And I want you to be able to say it. When my family's under attack, I say, God, I'm a tither. I have not robbed you. And I can go 
with full confidence. When my heart doesn't condemn me, the Bible says according to his word, I have confidence before God. And I know that he, he hears the petitions that I ask. But if I know that there's some way that I'm in continued iniquity, I'm stealing from him, I'm not doing something that he told me to do, I'm partying on Saturday night, and I'm worshiping on Sunday morning, then don't be surprised if you're not living in freedom and you're not living in victory in your life. Okay, they may not come back next week, but they'll be <laughs> forewarned is to be forearmed, okay? I mean, here's what the Bible says. Paul said, make no provision for the flesh. I can tell you this is guys, guys, I, I'm, this is me, okay? I'm a man. Purity and power are partners. You want to be strong? You got to be pure. God's called you to live a pure life. Amen. And so sometimes we're like, oh, uh, I want to do this and I want to do that. And then we want, I want God to show up big. Well, he's not going to show up big if you don't live a pure life. He won't. He won't. I mean, in the, in the end, yeah, I'll show up big. Come on in, son. Yeah, you're my kid. <laughs> you could have done a lot better. I told you what. Uh. But the Bible says, don't use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature in Galatians 5.13. That's what this Jeremiah scripture is talking about. You know, I didn't make you free so you could just, we're free to do these abominations. No, we're not free. We're free not to sin. We've been given the power to say no. We, know, we don't just have a default. We just have to follow our loins and follow our lusts and of the eye and of the flesh and the pride of life. No, we can say no to those things because of the power and work of Jesus Christ in our life. Amen? And so we have to stop playing with fire. Otherwise, we get burned ultimately. Let me give you a couple stories, and I'll end with this, basically on this one particular point. So continued iniquity, okay? I got one strong one I'll say, but I was with recently a guy in our church. He was in the first service. He's a leader in our church. But he told me, I just want to give you examples of how the open door to the enemy can come into our life through continued iniquity, perhaps, perhaps, and, and plague us. But he told me his son broke his leg for the second time in four months. All right? This is precisely kind of what I'm talking about. This, this, so when that kind of stuff happens, it's not necessarily always what I'm talking about, but it could be what I'm talking about. So you should, you should ask when you see these chronic things, these continuous things, where's the open door? Where's the open door? What is that? What's going on there? And so I, I, when, he first, when he first told me that, I thought to myself, and this is just experience, so don't, don't be intimidated by the statement, but I thought a spirit of calamity, that's what I thought. There's a spiritual problem. There's a calamitous spirit wants to trip the person up. I see this sometimes with relationships and marriage. You know, people are struggling and they're doing ministry. And so then, are you getting ready to do something public? And or they get baptized or whatever it is, they're starting to step out. And then the enemy comes in and tries to embarrass them and tries to, uh, and they get super, super tempted in a particular area where they're, where they're weak. And there's a spoiler spirit. It wants to just like a mocking spirit. These are just examples of things that can come up. And so, so I told, I told him to, to warn him to be careful what he says, because sometimes we bring these things upon ourselves by the things that we say. For example, years ago, when um, we were in a particular season, it was right around Thanksgiving, uh, we were getting ready to play uh, uh, football. And all these young whippersnappers in the church, these young guys, Turks over here, were like, hey, let's go play for Pastor G, you going to play football? I'm like, I'm like, I'm like you know, older than you, and I'm thinking, you're going to be running around like chickens with your head cut off, and I, you know, I, I come out like, I'm good, I'm good, yeah, I'll be there, but inside I'm like, crap, you know, I'm going to have to get in shape, you know, and so I go to the gym that whole next couple of weeks, and, and, I, and everybody's talking about Thanksgiving, what are you going to do, I'm going I'm to be playing football, but you know, this is what I said, I said, I better be careful though, because I'll probably pull a hamstring, I'll probably pull a hamstring, because I'm getting so old, I'll probably pull a hamstring, so I confessed, 
my youth out the window and my health out the window. And I said it multiple, multiple times. Can you see the open door coming, everybody? And so the power of your words, every bondage is built on a lie. God, God, just because I'm 40-something years old doesn't mean that I can't run with these whippersnappers and run them all over. <laughs> just remember that, all you guys. Uh, so I get out to the football game, first snap, take it off to, 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 to run a pattern. Literally, I'm five feet off the line. I step into a little like divot in the ground, pull my hamstring from here all the way up to here, black and blue, awful. Three months, I'm out. I had to be walked to the car, carried to the car, carried to the car. Not easy. And they carry me to the car, give me a car. And as soon as I got out of the car, they shut the door. I forget who it was. My wife won't remember. And I just go, God, forgive me. I could remember. Immediately God goes, remember what I said. Remember what I said. You know, you confess this over yourself. Your words, you spoke this right over yourself. And I just repent. God, I'm so sorry. I can't even believe I just did. And you know what? I did that two separate times. My daughter did it to herself. Pastor D did it to himself. And I'm saying you do it to yourself sometimes. You, you, you let these things into your life. A good friend of mine in college, uh, he was totally accident prone. Have you ever heard the term accident prone? Have you ever said that over yourself or heard somebody say it over themselves or you said it over someone else? When he had his first accident when he was a young man, he went into the hospital. And he was in an emergency room and he had broken a bone. And the doctor said, doctor said to his father in, his, in, in my friend's presence, he'll be in emergency rooms his whole life. He's just accident prone. Now, that's not the sin. Here's the sin. My friend believed it. My friend believed it. He opened up a door so that the enemy could get a foothold in his life. And let me just tell you something. Between 18 and 20-something bones he broke between that time and when I was in college with him. And when, when I got out of college, he was my best friend. When I got out of college, every time he came to visit me, except one, he sprained his ankle and I had to carry him on my back everywhere we went. Not fun trying to pick up chicks when you got a guy on your back. <laughs> you really stink, buddy. I can't even believe I'm carrying. That's how it was everywhere we went. Beaches, bathing suits, guy on your back. Not fun. At my wedding, the day before my wedding, he was supposed to play the piano and sing a song at my wedding, and he broke his collarbone and could barely play the song. Later, I figured it out. Later, it came out because it, ne it nearly destroyed his life. A continuous iniquity in his life has stolen his marriage. He's divorced. It has been a train wreck behind him because of what I'm talking about continuous iniquity and bought, and bought lies and bondages in his life. So many times we think that could never happen to us. But the truth is we can allow the enemy in our life with some of the decisions and some of the inactivity and some of the, you know, belief that that, 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 that can't happen to me as a Christian, but it can. And we need to pay attention to it. But if you can accept the fact that you can be in bondage, if you can accept the fact that there, that there are committed sins, that if we will if we will uh, make decisions not to live in iniquity, if you'll also accept the fact that once you understand what those, those spirits are, that they can be addressed in the power and name of Jesus Christ, we can walk in freedom. So next week, I'm going to talk to you about continuous illness, and I'm going to talk to you about continuous in influences in our life and how they affect us. But I want you to stand your feet because I want to pray with you. Did you guys get something out of that? Yes. Is that a big amen? Yes. <laughs>
If you would be very still, I want to pray with you guys. We're going to have a closing song here today. And um, this is what I want to do. Um, if you need prayer for anything, anything, you came in here today, there's a burden in your life, there was a problem in your life, you, you want to come to Jesus, you just, you, you just need to connect with him formally, and you never, or informally and through relationship, and you've never done that. But, but in particular, if, if God has revealed something to you through this message, and you know that there's some open doors in your life, one of the best things you can do, and we'll talk about this more next week, is you can humble yourself and just say, you know what? I don't want to live in bondage anymore. I want you to pray for me. This is an area that I'm struggling with. And let somebody pray for you. We have a, we have a well-trained prayer team. They can come out, please. And they'll, they'll pray with you. They're not going to do anything that makes you uncomfortable. They're there to support you, encourage you, give you God's word, and just send you out of here free, healthy, moving forward, going, going on that journey from here to where God wants you to be with, with a little kick in your step. Can I have an amen? But between now and the time that you come to receive prayer, I want to encourage you not to watch but to worship. And so I want to create an atmosphere where God can move and speak to you and where there's kind of a demonstrative manifest presence of God where he shows up. And one of the ways that we invite the Holy Spirit into our life and we kick the devil out of our life is worship. Worship and warfare. Worship and warfare. So when you sing this next song, maybe you don't know it, I encourage you to kind of like, kind of just give it to the devil today. Let's give it to the enemy. Like, you know what? I'm going to be free. I'm not going to live this way anymore. I'm not going to be the same way I was yesterday or last week or last Sunday. This is the year of freedom for me. These things that I struggle in, you know what? I'm going to take authority over these things in my life, and I'm going to pray for you. And so at any point during this worship song, maybe it's a couple, maybe it's a verse or two in, you want to come down and get prayer? Fine. Everybody else, just worship till the song's complete. Will you do that with me? Let's just raise our hands just kind of as a sign of surrender to God. Holy Spirit, we invite you in this place. We thank you, Lord, that your presence is here. Your word has been proclaimed. And now we ask that your, your mighty presence, Lord, be manifest in the hearts and minds of your people. I pray that you set your people free in 2015, that we, we overcome our enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And I pray, God, that people would see the goodness of God in the land of living. This would be their best year ever, Lord, as they turn their life more fully over to God. They don't live in continued iniquity, but they commit their ways unto God, knowing that their plans will succeed, Lord. I pray that we love you with all our heart, that we surrender our life to you in complete devotion in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. And amen. Come on, let's worship God with all our heart.